0: passing us by with lyrics on a screen, but it is what we believe, that you are holy. And Father, this is not anything but a prerequisite to what's to come, that when we stand before you, we will cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So Lord, I thank you for this moment that we get to shout, we get to sing, and we get to say what is true. And you are holy. So thank you for your holy being. Thank you that you're so righteous. We just submit the rest of this service to you, asking that you would have your way in our time, in our midst, and in our hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and glory to you and you alone. Let's do Christ Jesus, we pray. Church, if you believe that, go ahead and put your hands together and shout amen. Amen. And amen. You guys can take your seats. So thankful to be here with each and every one of you this morning. My name is Denzel. If we've never had the pleasure of meeting, I uh, would love to get to know you or meet you, whatever. Uh, but so happy to be here with uh, each of you this morning as we continue in our series, New-ish. New-ish. Everything has changed. Have you. Everything has changed, have you? Today's title of the message is May Grace Reign, May Grace Reign. One thing I love about uh, life, and if you know me, you know I love politics. Um, I just love it, right? Politics is uh, that great thing, right? No one says that ever, right? We all hate it. We don't want to talk about it. You get offended if someone asks what you think, what you believe, if you're leaning left, right, in between. Uh, but me personally, I love politics. And today we're talking about representation. We're talking about representation. So I can't help but to think about politics when I hear the word representation. Because you and I, what we tend to do in our local uh, government, in our federal, in our state, what we do is we have a thing called representation. Can I get an Amen. I could throw up all of the senators in the state right now, and let's see who knows all of our representatives, but I won't do that because you probably don't know, which is probably sad, but that's okay. I'm not here to beat you across the head about knowing, a man, you should know Jesus above all that. Amen. But when it comes to representation and government and politics, if you will, you put your faith, hope, and trust in a representative, right or wrong. We go, we vote, we do this, we do that, but here's the unique. about that representation i might be leaning towards the gold party see i don't want to offend nobody today i'm going to use colors this morning that are not red or blue i'm leaning towards the gold party you might be leaning towards the purple party and you and your city and your district has been purple for years But the unique thing about representation is, is maybe your community or your sector or your district has been uh, uh, represented by purple for so long, but all of a sudden for the first time in 100 years, gold wins the race. And what happens with gold? Gold then becomes all of our representation, whether we like it or not. We can murmur, we can complain, but as long as your zip code is what your zip code is, You are represented by gold, your district, your state, your sector, whatever you want to call it. This is what representation is. Whether you like it or not, it just happens to be that way. And so today when we're talking about this representation and we're talking about uh, new-ish everything has changed, have you, it simply reminds us of the representation that you and I all have because of our skin. We're flesh, we're human. So there's a representation that you and I have that we cannot ignore, and that's that we are all sinful at best. We're all sinful beings through representation that happened long before, but we cannot dismiss the fact that that is our representation. That's just what it is. I'm talking about sin, y'all. I don't care... How much money you make, I don't care where you live, how big of your house, how many cars, how successful, how your resume looks, I don't care, you're sinful. And all of this sin comes through a man named Adam. And Adam, long before, because in Genesis, God told him specifically not to do one thing, and if he did, he would surely die. Because of Adam, partaking into sin when God instructed him not to, that moment not only killed Adam, but it left a a stain on you and I that represents us from this day forward. It's called sin. So this gold party has taken over. Purple has reigned forever. And now you and I, we find ourselves in the midst of this gold party or this sin, if you will. This representation is one that we cannot escape. It's not one that we could choose to be a part of. Because of Adam, you and I are sinful. Point blank, period. Pooh. That's what the kids say, period, pooh. We're sinful. In Adam, death reigns. Because of Adam, death reigns reigns. That's our first point here today. In Adam, death reigns. Verses 12 through 14 of Romans chapter 5 as we continue on says this, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death Reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who sin, who whose sinning was not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the uh, who was a type of the one who was to come. The unique thing that you and I get to see here today is, because of Jesus, we are reconciled to God through the death of His Son. We're reconciled to God through the death of his son and we're saved because of his life but this new ish and this new idea comes from us understanding that there's no new ish unless we realize we need a renewing and this renewing comes from the the knowledge and the idea of and the thought of and the the knowing of we're sinful there's nothing you and I can do to escape the fact that we're sinners. And it comes through Adam. And here's the thing. Adam, because of Adam, it leads us to death. I know, I know we, we want to say, oh, well, it's not Adam's fault. It's my fault and da 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 Yes. Yes, true, theoretically. But because of Adam, death entered into this world. Sin entered into this world. You and I are now a part of this sin and death lie because of Adam. And I'm not going to stand, uh, stand up here all day and tell you about sin because we know what sin is, right? Sin separates us from God. We don't need to keep dwelling in it and talking about it, but I, we need to understand in order to be new, you need to realize that something's wrong. We can't say new-ish unless we know that there's something wrong. And so the first thing we get to notice here is simply this, is that in death, I mean, in Adam, death rains everybody say but god come on say it again but God." god god is so amazing church death is real hell is real sin separates us from him but god we have grace and this new issue this new idea of saying everything has changed have you is the simple fact that look Sin happened. Jesus happened. Have you changed? You know about Jesus. You know about the redemption that comes through his blood and the finished work of the cross. But have you simply changed? It's one thing to say, I know Jesus. I know what he's come to do. I know all about that. And you get tired of it. It gets sickening. You do, it's, it's this thing that you just get annoyed with because you think you know that you know, that you know, but really, do you know? Because if you and I realize that death, it comes through Adam, and death reigns through Adam because of sin, and sin ultimately separates you and I from the presence of the Father, then why haven't we changed? Why haven't we realized that there's death over here, but there's life over here, but God? And so as we see through the transgressions of one man it entered into the world, I want to ask you this. Have you recognized that the veil has been torn? We can dwell in the sin of Adam all day long, and we can talk about what he did and woe unto us because of Adam or blame it on our big brother. We can do that all day long. But the question really is, do you know that the veil was torn? See, because everything has changed, have you, isn't just this blanket statement that just goes with the series. It's also this idea that you and I need to realize is that the veil has been torn. And because of Adam, in this moment the veil was not torn, but because we know about Jesus and what he's come to do and the grace he provides for you and I and all sinners alike across the world— we now have this idea of stepping into the presence of God. We now can be in community and commune with God the Father now, and it's simply because the veil was torn through the finished work of the cross. And this finished work leads us to understand that something or everything has now changed, and now we have to. That, that idea of that representation of what Adam represents we now need to understand that we should be different and like-minded because of the blood of the cross. We don't get to hold on to Adam and say it's Adam's fault. We don't get to hold on and say, well, he did this or that. No, everything has changed. Have you? Why? Because our representation went from death and sin to new life in Christ. Just because Adam sinned and, and, and shook everything up, if you will, don't mean we get to just stay there. And it also don't mean that we get to fall under this idea of grace that just falls into sin, under sin, under sin because of grace. But it simply means point number two here today, that is, in Jesus, grace reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. I don't care about sin being a factor anymore, I don't care about any of that being a factor because in Jesus that should separate you from all of that stuff and all of that the things that makes you want to sin, it should separate it. But also, once again, grace is not this thing that you just get to run to just because it's there. Just because Adam and death and sin reigns through Adam don't mean because in Jesus grace reigns that that's a free hall path. That moment, I'm pretty sure you all know the movie Hall Pass. Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Don't look it up. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Hall Pass is this idea of marital couples, and they give their spouses this idea to have a Hall Pass. And this Hall Pass is you can go do whatever you want for X amount of time, and I won't judge you as your spouse. This is how we treat our salvation and sin and grace. We think that because of the blood on the cross that we get hall passes to run to and fro, sinning left and right. Why? Because Jesus saved it all. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has saved me and gave me grace and all of this. Church, that's not how it works. See, this representation in Christ is realizing that, hey, because of him, we now freely get to dwell in the presence of our Savior and the Father. That's a good place to praise him, not to run and say, hey, I get to do this because of that. No, that's a place to realize because of your sin and your brokenness and the death and the sin that comes through Adam, that there was no way possible for you or I to save ourselves. So while we think that reigning grace in Jesus gives us a hall pass to sin, no, my friends, it should be the past that says, I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want any of this. I don't want to partake. Simply because you know without Jesus, you are dead, you are lost, and you are on your way to hell. So in Jesus, grace reigns. But church, we need to understand that this reigning isn't just a free pass. It's a dwelling place. It's a a comforting place to know that someone would bleed and that bled and died and he did it all so that you could be free and the grace of God is just so freeing that now the representation that you were forced to have now turns into a representation that you choose to have. God freely gives you this representation, but who chooses to be free just to be locked up still? Sounds Stupid. Sorry if there's any children in the room and you don't use that word. But there's no other way to put it. Sometimes we really do look at the finished work of the cross and then look at our lives and think that it's not enough. The grace of God is enough for us. And because of this, we now have this new representation in Christ Jesus that comes through him in the finished work of the cross. Verses 18 through 21 says this. Therefore, as one trespasses led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the, uh, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where, where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, this representation of Jesus in the finished work of the cross is very valuable. It's not just this idea of representation that, hey, I'm now a believer. Hey, I'm now this, I'm now that. No, this is everything that we realize in Christ we are represented and not just represented, we are now made righteous. That even though there's sin and blemishes in you and I's life, that we could still be found right before God is an amazing thing. Because what you and I tend to do is we look at each other left, we look at each other right, and we say, man, she's flawed. Man, he's messed up. Man, look at that sin. Man, how could you do this? Man, how could you do that? And the story goes on and on and on, and it leads us to a pit of despair. It leads us to this moment of feeling like we're not worthy enough. Now, I'm not telling you just because of this you get to sin and God's going to look at you and whatever, but there is a miracle in that. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and now the the transgressions of ourselves and Adam, he still looks at us and intercedes on our behalf and gives a good report to the Father. That is what righteousness is. He looks at us and he sees newness in us. He's not looking at us scarred, uh, our past, yesterday's wrongs, tomorrow's wrongs. He's not looking, he's looking at you and he's saying, that is my child. That is my son. That is my daughter. Church, this grace was not given to us unless we've put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. Woe unto me if I was to stand up here and think everybody here had freely given their life to Christ. Woe unto me if I stand up here and I talk and I preach or whatever I'm doing in this moment and think everybody in here is without sin. Woe unto me. Because I simply know my own. I simply know that I'm in need of a Savior. You're in need of a Savior. We're all in need of the Savior. This world is in need of the same grace that was given to us. In Romans chapter 5, I love it because in verse uh, 20, it's one of the most uh, misused moments of Scripture, right? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Sounds like a TV ad to comfort in your sins. And sometimes the world has taken this passage of Scripture and made us think that because it's a lot of sin, there's going to be a lot of grace to cover it up. Although that's true through the lens of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, still doesn't mean that this this grace that abounds or reigns in Jesus means that we get to freely just live in this pit, in this mud. Because that's not what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to a righteous living and a righteous life. That's simply it. Grace is amazing when you know that you don't deserve it. Grace isn't amazing when you live in it just because it's there for you. So again, I ask you, everything has changed, have you? you Are you fully being represented by Christ in such a way? I love it because in this climate and this change of life, we learned a lot about people, didn't we? Whether they was on the left side, the right side, or this side. And you also learned a lot about yourselves on what you can and cannot tolerate, right? Because everybody tells you who who, who their representative is and who represents them. And then they'll tell you all the problems with this side or that side, even though every side is flawed. But then they become boisterous about it. They start telling you. We've seen it over this past last election. People start saying things that don't even make sense, and you're looking at them, you're like, what? You really believe that? Then you get other people, on the other hand, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you don't believe it. And I believe it because of this, and I believe it because of that. But when is the last time you looked at your salvation and you had the same loud, boisterous sound of the 2020 election when it came to your faith? This is my representative. Jesus Christ has done this for me. This is why you should be saved. This is what he's done for me in order to be saved. This same grace is given to you. This same freedom is found in him that I found in him could be found that you find in him as well. These are the things we should be telling people, but sometimes we get silent in our witness. Sometimes we're too shy or too scared or, well, they think I'm a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper. We we prepare our hearts for this, 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 this silence, this moment of being scared and not walking into this freedom and understanding that in Jesus there is grace. And let's just be honest. The reason why the world needs you and I, as everything is changing and we should be changing all the more like Jesus. We need people to understand that there is two forms of representation. That representation is sin and death or life in Christ. The grave or living forevermore, these are our representations. And while we're still figuring out what side of the playing field we're on, or maybe you have figured it out and you need to realize that there's a dying world that needs to understand these moments or these sectors of representations, if you will. But this is what we need to do as believers. Point number three, my question to you is this. In you, who reigns? In you, who reigns? Is it sin, darkness, and the thing of Adam that is literally something you cannot escape, or is it Jesus and grace, salvation, freedom, where are you today? Verse 15 through 17. We're gonna move backwards here a bit. 15 through 17 says this, but the free gifts, free gift is not like the trespass. For if any man, if, if if for if many died through one man's transpass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. Abounded for many, and the free gift is not li- is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespassers brought justification. For if because one man's trespass death reign through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Church, we have a newness today. We have a freedom today. And Paul is simply writing this text and he's letting us know that we are free because of a thing called a gift. And So as we're struggling with, are we going to abound in sin and death or we're going to abound in grace and freedom? That is a choice, but it comes through the form of the gift of the finished work of the cross. And what Paul is just adding to this moment is that he's directly telling us how do we get in with Christ. He simply, I love it because this, this text from, verses, um, from verse 15 down to 21, or 12 down to 21, I should say, it simply breaks it off from beginning to the end, but in the middle, he lets you know about who Christ is and what he's come to do through this free gift. So he gets you in and he lets you know that, hey, this is what Adam does and his representation. Then he goes down through 18 through 21 and says this is who Jesus is. And then dead set in the middle, 15 through 17, he tells you this. The gift is the only thing that could save you. The the gift is literally the only thing that could save you. And I love it because in verse 16, Paul is writing it and he's letting you know how, how attractive this gift is. He's letting you know that you don't not want to have this gift. He says, and the free gift is not light. The free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass has brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. He's simply letting you know that, hey, you not only want this representation, but you want it because it's a free gift, and it's not only just a free gift, but it's not going to be like the sin of Adam. It's not going to lead you to death. It's not going to lead you to shame and and the grave. It's going to lead you to justification. Church, Jesus justified everything on the cross. So Paul is trying to make this attractive for us and understand that we want this deeply, uh, we should be considering this deeply than we ever have because it's freeing. It's a gift. And I love it because, like I said, representation is something you technically choose. But in Jesus, you have life. In Jesus, you will have that more abundantly. He's simply telling us, in Christ, you're free. Without him, you're lost. So church, everything has changed, have you? I don't know uh, know, uh, about you, but for me, I... Thank God for his obedience. Jesus' obedience, church, literally made a way for you and I. The disobedience of Adam, our nature, what we, cling, what we are naturally born into, separates us. But Jesus being obedient freed us. It gives us an opportunity to be saved. Church, I hope and I pray that as the worship team comes, we would understand everything now in our lives has changed everything that we know or as we've known it has changed but the question is have you when people look at your lives are they simply saying hey i know without a doubt in my uh, uh, without a doubt in me that that person loves the lord and again we're not trying to tell you to come to salvation or we don't desire for anyone to come to salvation just so people can look at them and say oh they're saved or they're this no we need the world to see that the God in us is real. That's simply what it is. That the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But when we put our minds to it, church, amazing things can happen. When we choose God and life over sin, death, hell, and the grave, that is amazing. That's amazing. All of you are born into something, and we are all born into something, and it's called sin. That's it. It's sin. But we choose to be free, so why wouldn't we encourage others? Why wouldn't we tell them about the justification now that they have in Christ? Why wouldn't we tell them all about what God has done in our lives so that they may too be free? Church, I urge you today, don't just know who represents you. Don't just know who's, who, who, who reigns in you, whether it's Adam in sin or it's Jesus in life and justification. But I urge you to, today to allow grace to reign. Allow it to reign. And this grace that's reigning isn't just a grace that's reigning just so you can sin. It's grace that God has placed on your life so you can now be a mere image of Jesus Christ that the world may see the finished work of the cross through your decision to be represented by the one true king. I hope that is our our plea. I hope that is our prayer, that we want to be Christ's representatives, that we don't want to just live in this box or this church or these walls, if you will, but that we want to go out and tell everybody we're simply new, because of what he's done and and, and that image that we were brought into or that that, uh, um, representation through Adam is no longer because of the finished work of the cross and because what he has done for us. So if you're struggling here today to know who's reigning in you, I urge you to figure it out because the reality is we don't have to sit here pump nor pry you. The reality is it's not a magic trick. It's not a It's not an illusion. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Verse 15 through 17 simply tells you it's a gift. And the beautiful thing about representation is you get to choose it. You simply get to choose it. You don't get to choose to be born into sin, but you do get a Opportunity to be represented by the only gift that would ever matter in your life. So I pray and I urge, might even beg a bit, that we would take our salvation serious. That we would understand that because of Adam and that one decision that he made, many will never get to spend eternity with Christ. And even in this moment as I'm speaking, people are coming to my mind. Because I remember where I was. I know who I am even now, but God. the Church, we have to start proclaiming the freedom that we have in Christ. This freedom isn't a freedom that we just like and have and it's freeing for us to just hold and know that, hey, I'm safe. See, when you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, there should be something that comes upon you for the sins of this world. So you shouldn't just grieve over your own sin when you disobey God. You should also grieve over the sins of the world knowing that there's a dying world and everyone desperately needs him. So this gift that he's referring to, verse 15, 16, and 17, Paul's right. It's not the same gift of the one that we were born into. It's an everlasting gift. It's a gift that changes. It's a gift that saves. It's a gift that gives us an opportunity now that the veil has been torn to be found righteous in the sight of God church as everything is changing I pray that you have I pray that you are and I pray that you do something with your faith that would outlive you and cause other people to fall to their knees and believe in the one true king may it be so let us pray Dear Holy and Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for the sending of your Son. Father, that you, you knew we needed proper representation. You knew that the representation of Adam wasn't enough. So it calls you to send your only begotten Son. That who would ever believe in him would be represented and free for forevermore. So we trust you today, Jesus. Just as we trust you then, we trust you now. And we ask and we pray. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice in our midst today. Father, that they would feel and understand that newness in Christ. Father, that when we receive you and your representation, that your love and your mercy is enough for us. So thank you for the free gift that we have. Father, I pray that we didn't just receive it with joy and trust and leave it there that with that same gladness and that same joy from the moment of our first cry out to you Father that it be the thing that we live with today Father as we go about making disciples and spreading your good news and teaching the good news that many will come come to salvation and know that free gift that they have in you Christ Jesus Father that we would do it so boldly Father, we wouldn't let the representation of Adam be any part of us. Father, our identity in you, I pray that we would make that be everything. Just as loudly as we tell people about our spouses, our kids, our jobs, our homes, our journeys, maybe even our political affiliation or what we believe in or this or whatever. Father, may the same boastness of our opinions be that of the cross. That we will not shy away from speaking of your goodness. That we will not shy away from the ultimate representation that we have in you. That you and you alone, Jesus, have done nothing that none of us can do in our own might. Nor in our own will. Simply you and you alone in your representation allows the Father to look at us and see his son, you. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and glory to you and you alone. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together.